0: How do you and your partner talk about sex? When you first start having sex with someone, there's a lot of talking that happens. I mean, we should talk about what we like, what we're cool with. Do we feel like having sex this time? But when you've been in a relationship for a while, you might feel like you're done with those combos. You start getting couple shorthand. A talk might be replaced with an erection pressed into you on the couch. A little stroke of the butt a cheeky wink, a cuddle in bed. When it comes to consent, we know we're always looking for that big, enthusiastic yes. That's black and white. But have you ever had sex where you didn't really say yes, but you didn't really say no either? Maybe you weren't that keen... But your partner was like, oh, come on, it'll be fun. I really want to do this. I've got blue balls. I'm riled up. It'll just be quick. And you kind of just relented. That's called coercion. And it can be pretty common in relationships. It's what some people call the grey area. Nat here with our second episode I'm Blurring the Lines When It Comes to Consent. Because not only does it make the sex you're having safe, but it also makes it really, really hot. And we got into that in the first step and looked at some of the best practices. So if you haven't already listened, definitely go check that out in your feed. Well, it's one thing to talk about negotiating consent with someone new. Enthusiastic, ongoing consent is a journey that never ends, baby. Even if you've had sex with someone a thousand times. People you trust and love can guilt or pressure you into sex, and you might roll with it. What does it make that interaction, though? Miller got in touch with the hookup, having this issue with her partner, and just a warning that if anything in this episode does bring up feelings for you, we've got some services you can reach out to in the show notes.
1: Hi, my name's Miller and I'm from Melbourne and I wanted to speak a little about how pressure and consent can be really confusing in an established relationship when you've already agreed that you want to have sex but then like I guess all the complications that come after that. Yeah, I have one story that I guess has stuck with me and this is post-relationship, like we've broken up and I've been thinking a lot about the types of pressure that I was under because at the time I thought that our sex life was pretty good and pretty healthy. But looking back, I'm just questioning everything really. There was a time where we were having sex and I was kind of squirmed a little bit because the position hurt. And he just took it so personally, like got really offended with the fact that I had you know, made a comment that I was uncomfortable. And he just jumped to the conclusion that I wasn't in the mood because we'd been in this position before and it had been fine. And why does it hurt now? And I was like, well, I don't know, it just, it does. And he just didn't believe me. He also said that, like, he was constantly in uncomfortable positions when he was making me feel good. And he did it because he said, like, oh, I know you're enjoying yourself, so I'm going to do this. And I kind of thought, well, actually, I don't really want you to be in uncomfortable positions and I'd never asked you to do that. But he pretty much had this, like, I guess, belief that I should yes, yeah, stay in this uncomfortable position. And it made me really upset. And yeah, he said something like, oh, you know, why'd you have to say this? Why'd you have to bring it up? And, you know, can't you see that I'm enjoying this? And basically it was asking me to cop it and be uncomfortable and in pain. But of course, from then on, I was just really scared to mention like anything, like any time that I was uncomfortable, any time that it hurt, because it had just such a negative reaction the past time, and I guess it just shows how important it is to be open and have you know supportive communication, so that you know couples aren't scared to speak up to say, actually, I don't like this anymore, or you know, this used to be fun, but I don't find it fun anymore, or it hurts today. Can we try something else? Um, Because without that support, you can just go down a rabbit hole and get used to certain expectations. And that can be really unhealthy, I think.
0: So that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. You'll find out what signs to look for when it comes to coercion. How to deal if you think you're the one who's pressured someone into sex. How to bring it up with partners. And if you're in a long-term relationship, we look at the difference between compromise and being out of consent. But first... What exactly is coercion? Sex therapist Dr Chris Fox says it's a form of manipulation.
2: It's, I want to avoid the word force, but it is a form of force. It's, it's getting somebody to do something and using a, a manipulative or a, or a sublime way to, to get your, your own way. The way I often get people to think about it is, you know, we're, we're trained to, in some ways, I think we're, we're, we're trained around coercion. Mm. Um, you know, how do we get young children to try new foods? We sort of coerce them into doing it. And so when we're talking about coercion in sex, I think it's very different to getting a child to eat new food. But I think in, in trying to get our head around it, we'll, there's a continuum of okayness and not okayness there.
0: Yeah, which is why, you know, it's like we we try not to necessarily talk about grey areas when it comes to consent. You know, we want an enthusiastic yes every time. But sometimes there are murky situations where you feel like, well, something kind of happened and... you, was it okay? Was it not okay? Not sure. So how do you know if it's happening to you? How do you know if you are being coerced into sex that you maybe aren't 100% on board with?
2: Sometimes I, I think it's, it's, it's okay for people. Sometimes it's okay for people to change their mind. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I talk about with, with couples quite often is what I call consent confusion. Um, it's the idea of, you know, my partner has to fully consent and if they don't say, yes, I want to do this, we're not having sex. And, and I think in relationships it's not always that clear cut because sometimes, you know, look, if you're going to ask, say to me, do you want to have sex tonight? And I could quite possibly say, yeah, because, you know, I really don't care. But of course it doesn't mean i'm not willing to participate it's just i'm really not really going to be into it that much and so i i think it's it's a very gray area in that need for communication but if we're feeling uncomfortable in a sexual encounter, it's okay for us to say stop and to say no. And I think that's where it's really important to have healthy and secure relationships with partners because we, we need to be able to say, hey, hang on here, I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm not okay here, I need to stop. You know, we're, we're hitting yellow light or red light sort of behaviors. So I, I think it's, it's about, if you're feeling okay, it's, it's communicating that, that you want to stop or you want to slow down or you want to try something different.
0: Um, Mish asked us a question and Mish said, I've always wanted to know why guys can't tell you're not into it and put you in a position of negotiating your way out. Isn't that obvious? What What do you do if you've been kind of put in this position where you have to, like, you have to opt out instead of opting in?
2: We're talking about that that privilege that, that and I'm, I'm going to use men here, that men have in society and how they use that privilege at times. You know, I, I'm not okay as a man that, you know, some, some men really do... Abuse that that privilege that they have and and make it difficult for people to say no. I mean, it's like, listen to your partner, look at your partner. But of course, we're raised in a society, you know, that that thing, if the the dick is hard, the dick must want sex. And I'm purposely using the word dick here because it can be used both ways. Mm. Um, You know, if the penis is erected, it it, it must, you know, it's time for sex. And it's like, no, people, that's not what an erect penis is about. An erect penis is nothing more than an erect Mm. penis. But of course, for many people and for many men, you know, oh, my, my, my penis is hard, I, I, I've got to use my dick and be a dick while they're at it. And so it, I, I think it is quite hard. And I think, you know, some people are put in a position where they're having to negotiate their way out of rather than negotiating their way into. And again, it's about how we do sex and, and that whole idea about how we talk about sex in society.
0: Like you said, coercion is something that we have inherently that maybe we've been trained to do from, like, a very young age. It's just, like, a way that we are used to getting the things that we want from people. So how do you recognise that you're being coercive when it comes to sex?
2: Uh. Now, now, this is the most, this is one of those topics. I, I sit with couples, with, with heterosexual-identified couples more so than non-heterosexual-identified couples and, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to them talk and my ears just suddenly prick up and I start thinking there's coercion somewhere in this relationship, not even necessarily around sex. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people don't realise there's coercion sometimes and it's it's the things like, you know, Come on, why not? If you really loved me, mm. um, you know, it's one thing. But then also, when, you know, a partner says no, the huffs and the puffs and the rolling over and the oh, sort of thing. And I wish I had a camera at the moment because, of course, I did the whole reaction with the body as well. But you know, again, and, and then the partner, the, the responding partner is put into that position, as we were just talking about, of making a decision to placate, to make it better, to make it easier too. And it's like, hang, hang on. It's OK, people, to ask for sex and be rejected. And it's about how we talk about it.
0: I know this stuff isn't easy, but Chris is right. It's how we talk about it. Because when you're in a relationship with someone, you trust them. You've been vulnerable with them. You're intimate and you've likely had sex a lot. It's easy to get to a point where you don't so consciously talk about it anymore. And that's where you can run into these issues. If you're in a situation where you're out of consent, or maybe you realize you were a long time after, it can be a really troubling thing. You trusted this person. Maybe you love this person and you didn't want to do something bad to them. Sex therapist Tanya Coon says it can have a bigger impact on us than we might even realise. It's completely
3: troubling because how do you make sense that this is the person I love and I've just realised that they're doing things that I don't consent to and uh, I'm feeling powerless in this? Uh, it's really difficult to make sense of it because you're looking at them going, aren't you great? You're really awesome. Then you'll have something in your head and you're like, oh, actually, that thing wasn't really awesome. And I know, you know, like in the relationship side of things, I'm constantly telling people that we're fundamentally all very irritating. You know, we're going to get on each other's tits, annoy each other, upset each other. That, that's part of human behaviour. But the outsider consent thing is different because that really hooks into our personal safety and we really do want to feel safe and secure with our companion in life, yeah? So that that one it starts to mess people's heads up. They're sort of like, Oh my God, you know, I just realized that for the last six months or three months or one year or 10 years, I've been doing things that have been outside of my consent and I hadn't really realized. I just thought I didn't like it. Or I just thought I was having a bad day or I just thought what's wrong with my body? Why isn't it doing what it did last year?
0: What impact can that have on you, you know, down Mm -hmm. the track?
3: what can happen is if you can't iron it out your body might start to do some interfering so you could get develop a sexual dysfunction you could get loss of libido you could start having uncomfortable or painful sex this is things like vaginismus come in and paraunia. so your body might intervene and start making people get utis bladder infections all sorts of things going on because their body's tense um it might be that people's self-confidence starts to wane because they feel like they can't say no to their partner, it might, you know, really start to uh, weaken the foundations of the relationship because they're, they're sort of like, why am I staying in a situation that I'm not enjoying? Because things in the bedroom leak out into the relationship and vice versa. So it's really, really important
0: to be able to say no and hear no in life and in your relationships. Like always, we love to hear from you and answer any of your questions, no matter what topic we cover. And we got a lot around relationships and consent and how compromise plays into it. Here's one from Jason. So Jason said, I recently had a relationship that didn't work out because of incompatibility with sexual desire and physical touching. We had a really great relationship in other areas and good sex when we had it. My partner was unwilling to compromise on things when sexual desire was not there for her. Discussions of compromising were brought up and often clashed with enthusiastic consent. My question is how to navigate around mismatched libidos and maintain a relationship with respectful consent consent. How do both partners express and go after what they want without feeling threatened about their own sexual desire or lack of sexual desire and without compromising? Because I found that discussions about consent often unintentionally clashed with compromising for sex and physical intimacy. Uh, where does compromise sit in the discussion of consent?
3: Oh, great, great question. First of all, the word compromise came up about four or five times there, and I'd like to check that listener's definition of compromise because what we see portrayed in the media and popular movies and things like that is consent. uh, compromise is going, oh, okay, and that is actually acquiescing. Compromise to me is a successful negotiation where there's a win for all parties, win-win. But it's not begging, whining, and wheedling till you get your way. It's not trying to talk someone into something that they don't like and they never will like. That's not a compromise. I've had couples come to me saying, one of them said, you know, unless I have a threesome, I think our marriage is over. And I was like, really? That's a big statement. Um, (laughs) And then after talking, we did some therapy. There was a whole lot of things at play. Their compromise on a threesome was going out to dinner on a Friday night, having a bottle of wine and reading each other erotic stories in bed. That was their middle ground, win-win, right? That's a long way from a threesome in my eyes, but they were so happy and there were things all connected into the background that needed sorting out about that. So for this person, yes, it does need to be safe to say that you want sex. There's nothing wrong with wanting sex more than your partner. There's nothing wrong with wanting sex less than your partner. I guess the job is to make it safe to have these conversations. they not shaming people for their answer or their desires and then bringing curiosity to instead of focusing on what's not possible, let's focus on what is possible. So start there. well, What would work? You know, if we want to connect with each other physically, where are we getting ticks on both boxes, right, tick, tick? Um, and let's build from there and then let's, let's look at the maybe ground rather than going straight over to somebody's I'm never going to do that list so why are we there? We want to come to the I wouldn't you know this might be something that I could try. So it's it's working out where there is safety and starting there. And I think this is where we can talk a little bit about Betty Martin's wheel of consent because you've got to look at willingness. Um, So inside of consent, you can also ask to take something from someone like, I really want to touch your butt or can I kiss you there or could I do this to you? And the person might not love that activity, but they might allow it because they're okay. They might say, this isn't my favourite thing, but because I love you, sure, why not, right? So that's about your willingness. And I think that's a really important thing to check in with as well. How does it feel for you? And then how willing are you to come to the party?
0: And that's still okay because you, like, you haven't been coerced in that situation? No, um, you've been requested. Like, a request is okay. Pauline got in touch with us because she realised that maybe the sex she was having with her ex wasn't so consensual.
4: So I had a partner in my first relationship who, if I was no longer into what we were doing and I wanted to stop, he would say, okay, but will you give me a handjob and finish me off because otherwise I'm going to have blue balls. I was, I guess, unsure as to like, don't do it. And I, am I being mean to him or our oh, shame? I don't want him to be sore or whatever. Um, and then the second thing is sometimes when I was, you know, doing things with my boyfriend in bed and, um, I was no longer into, then I would kind of, you know, stop and tell him, no, I don't want to do this. Uh, cause maybe I wasn't in the mood or I just didn't feel like it. But often he would continue to finger me until I was in the mood, and then we would end up having sex. And I mean, it would be nice. Point was that I didn't want to do it in the first place, and he kind of wore me down until I wanted to again. Um, and I think that that, I guess, is a bit blurry because in the end I enjoyed it, but the point is, I didn't want to in the beginning,
0: and it is confusing. But Tanya says if your gut tells you it wasn't right, then it wasn't. And even if your partner is begging you, you have no obligation to relieve them.
3: Just because someone has an erection or just because somebody's turned on does not mean you have to help them out, finish them up or do anything. Even people with clitorises get blue clits, you know, people get turned on, people get frustrated that they're not they're not getting off by their partner. So my answer to this would always be take matters into your own hands. Do not assume that your partner has to finish you off or finish off what we started. So sometimes people are gonna stop things in the middle because it's not okay for them, something's going on. And yes, that might be frustrating, but do you know what? Life is frustrating and we have to learn to suck it up and deal with it. And there are probably some very nice ways that you can ease out of that situation rather than getting shitty or kind of putting the hard word on somebody. You could ask, like you know, it, it could be like, hey, would you be up for giving me a handjob? You know, and if the person says, yes, that's great. But if they're feeling coerced, it's not great. So it's how you ask that question. So it could be like, hey, I'm just going to put this out there. It's really okay for you to say no. I'm still kind of really hot and heavy here. How do you feel about giving me a handjob or helping me have a release? But it is not up to the partner to do that for you. So if they're like, actually, no, I said I need to stop things now, I really mean that. I'm sorry if you feel frustrated, but I'm just, you know, I need to end now. You know, what would it be really nice is if we could spoon or do something like that. Or if you need to go and take matters into your own hands, come back and spoon me in a sec.
0: Tans, we also heard in there, um, in Pauline's story, uh, another really interesting um, consent quagmire that I think I want to get into. She talked about not wanting to do something initially kind of being coerced into it, but then actually enjoying, coming to enjoy herself. And she didn't Mm. quite know where that sat because it's kind of like it's a no that got turned into a genuine yes, but like Mm. how did that happen? So talk us through that and how you kind of deal with that grey area.
3: Yeah, it's very grey because I think we can look at the differences in desire. You've got your spontaneous desire, you know, I'm horny, jump on top of me. That's very clear. That's what we see out there in the movies all the time. Then we've got responsive desire where our partner's like, hey, babes, do you feel like being sexy? And we might have had our nose in a really good book and we might think about it and go, well, do I? And here's where the willingness comes in. Mm. Oh, you know, my partner's so cute and, you know, I know they'd love an orgasm, but actually I could probably do that. I'm going to decide to have sex rather than sort of waiting for that tingling in my loins And then if we start fooling around, 90% of the time folk can arouse and have a really good time. And they often say, gee, we should do that more often. It's pretty funny at the end. But in this case, I was listening to Pauline and she said I didn't want to do it and my partner kept touching me, kept fingering me. So to me that feels like a violation because you've said, no, I want to stop, and that person has continued touching. So that's not okay. That's outside of consent. That doesn't imply bodily autonomy it doesn't imply willingness Uh, but i think what people can then do is under coercion sort of stay there and then this is your fight flight freeze or fawn they could go into fawn and make it okay so she could have had her autonomic nervous system at play there she could have been just going well fuck i don't want to do this let's but i'm going to try hard to make make a fist of it and make it work yeah so sometimes people do that that's not the pathway to great sex i think
0: if you are the partner in this situation and you, you have realised maybe you've recognised yourself in some of the stories that we've been talking about or felt, oh, maybe I do some of this coercive stuff, what are some ways that you can change your approach?
3: Good question, such a good question. I think it's thinking about safety. It's like, oh well, you know, I want my partner to feel safe. What would that look like? So you can have a conversation with all of your clothes on about what sexual safety looks like. Um, you can have a conversation about when I say no, uh, what what could we do? Like if you're going to say no or lose impetus in the middle of things, um, how could we translate that into a nice segue out rather than like somebody blowing the whistle and going, everybody out of the pool right now. That's a loved ending and it's a bit awkward. But it could be like, hey, you know, I don't feel like doing this anymore, but it'd be really nice to lie here and kiss and cuddle. And talking to your partner, like if you say no, would you be up for me to say something like, well, is it okay if we spoon or have a kiss? Can I hold your hand? Are you up for a suggestion? Or do you need me to stop what I'm doing immediately? Because I don't want to push your boundaries. I want to know what's okay. And I want to know if it's safe for you for me to advocate for a little bit extra play, maybe not necessarily the exact thing we were doing. Um, Or even checking in, how are you doing there? Uh, You know, you've just asked to stop something. Are you okay? Uh, Are you having any pain? Are you having any discomfort? Is everything all all right? So check in. And that person might say, yeah, I've just, you know, I've just lost
0: my vibe or my buzz is gone. And it's like, "Okay, great. What would you like to do now? Now Kylie asks, how do you raise with a partner these more nuanced issues of consent in situations where it's not, quote, flat out rape? And do people, if safe to do so, have a sort of moral obligation to talk to ex-partners about this? Okay, twofold. Let's go to the first question first.
3: It's pretty tricky and people get very afraid of that. So it can be like, hey, you know, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you about last weekend, right? And it can be, do you remember when we were fooling around uh, and I said that I didn't want to do it, but you kind of kept insisting that we do it? I just need to let you know that that kind of stuff's not okay. What would be really great for me is if you could uh, stop doing whatever you're doing when I say no or stop. And I'd like to understand what's happening for you when you keep pushing, right? So if you could explain to me what's happening, that would be great. And let me explain to you what's happening from my end. So when you do that, I start to get scared. My body starts to contract. I start to really not feel like sex. I want to get out of the bedroom. I want to get away from you. Um, these are these are kinds of responses. So it's like, so this is what's happening when these things happen. And then you know, I've had a couple of days to think about it, and what I feel like is that we're outside of consent, and I don't want to feel like that with you, and I'm pretty sure that you probably don't want to feel like that with me. So how can we talk about this in a way to stop it happening again?
0: Yeah. So how do you then receive that information? Because I'm sure if you're somebody receiving that information. You might feel defensive. You might uh, go on the attack. You might feel very upset with yourself. So, how do you receive that? All
3: of those things. Um, put yourself aside first. Thank you for telling me about that. It must have taken a lot of courage. Right? Is a, a very kind and generous way to receive it. I'm feeling all sorts of things in my body right now, from discomfort, anger, you know, defensiveness but actually I'd really like to understand what was going on for you when you said no, or um, I didn't even realise that you were feeling like this. So can you explain a little bit more? You know, you want to try and draw the whole story out and then ask, would you be open to hearing how I was feeling at the time? Because, you know, if the person's bringing it up, then it's about them. It's not your story to override theirs. And that's so easy to do when we're defensive. So put that aside and say, I'm going to ask you later if there's space for me to unpack what was going on for me. But for now, I want to thank you for bringing that up and what can we do to help me understand that a little bit better, right? And what would you like done in the future should this happen, right? And then after that, it's sort of like, are you open to a bit of a discussion for how I'm feeling right now? Because, you know, I'm feeling a bit like a schmuck and I want to talk about that with you. Then there's some space for that sort of thing because, you yeah, that's a very, very difficult thing to hear for people.
0: And to the second part of Kylie's question, do you have a moral obligation to talk to ex partners about well, times you were in outside of consent?
3: A moral obligation, that's such a big, big concept. I, I'm just because I've had lots of lots of friends be in that sort of situation where I'm on both sides of it. Uh, and it's really distressing. So sometimes people feel like they have to talk to a partner and say this is part of, you know, my experience and I'm working myself out about sex and I realize that what we did three years ago was really non-consensual for me and it's had a big effect and I'm in therapy now and I'm talking about it with my therapist. I, I think you need to have a look at who is that for, you know, so it might be like, hey, do you mind if we have a conversation? I'm doing a bit of therapy and uh, I'd like to talk to you about some stuff that happened with us and process it. So maybe, maybe there's time and space for that. You've really got to think about who is it for if you're going to tell people. Like uh, if you think that they're continuing to behave like that and you'd like to stop that behaviour, sure. Uh, But also you've got to, how will you feel having that conversation because it might trigger off your stuff? How will your partner or ex-partner respond? They might respond in a really good way. And then why are you doing it? Are you doing it to save the world? Are you doing it to process your stuff? Are you doing it to make them feel bad? you doing it because you're angry like there's there's many reasons why people do it and it is such a conundrum like I, I don't know there is no right answer for this this is one that you have to feel into yourself and think why am I doing this and is this the right thing for me
0: if you've been listening to this episode and you're reflecting and realizing okay there've been some times where I've coerced someone I have pressured someone into sex or doing something they might not have wanted to do for whatever reason, maybe you weren't able to read the signs that you were out of consent. That's a big thing to realise, and it can be pretty shattering if it wasn't your intention. That's what happened to Daniel. He spoke to the hookup's Steve Salmon about his experience.
5: Uh, a few years ago, I started talking to a guy, and one of the times where we, where we met up, and I basically pressured him into, into having sex and I wasn't picking up on the signs. I wasn't picking up on the looks that he was giving me. And I didn't realize that until a lot later when it happened again with a different guy that he actually told me straight out when I was pressuring him too much. And after that, I took a break from being with guys. I took a break from sex altogether for uh, about a year just to really reassess myself and who I was and basically just to figure myself out a lot more. And um, once I'd figured myself out, I got back in touch with the guy in Sydney and I apologised to him as best as I could. And the guy in my hometown, where I am now, I actually happened to run into him one time and he had a spare few minutes, so so I apologised to him. And I actually really made clear that I didn't mean to do it. If I'd go back and change it, I would, but basically I fucked up and I didn't want to leave that topic not talked about yet.
0: Yeah, wow. Daniel, um, firstly, thank you so much for sharing. You're very honest there and and it's, yeah, it's it's really appreciated. With that um, second instance uh, where that person spoke to you and told you um, what was going on, what was your reaction to being told that?
5: My initial reaction was of disbelief because I always believed that I never thought that I would do something like that. This was one of those instances where where my being autistic actually worked against me because I struggled to pick up on emotions to begin with, so because I didn't pick up on those signs, but also... I wasn't picking up on the verbal hints as well. And I knew I should have been picking up on those verbal hints because any other time I would have picked up on those verbal hints. But in this instance, my own basically, I guess, lust and desire kind of took the lead and I just went with it.
0: How did that change um, when you started then being intimate with people again, what what had you kind of in that space that you had taken decided to move forward in the way
1: that you would uh, change about the way that you were having sex?
5: I made sure that consent was talked about. When it comes to meeting up with some people, it's you already know it's on the table. This is the reason why I've gotten in contact with you. But when it's come to actually having sex, instead of instead of being the one. To take the lead and assume that everything is going in a certain direction, uh, I'll actually ask, cool, if I do this, is it okay if I do that? Because, you know, those are things that I want to do, but I want them to be okay with it as well. So basically, I guess just checking in and making sure everything's okay, not only before sex or, and after sex, but also during uh, at, a, at a few different points.
0: Yeah, 100% Came back what Daniel said. Check in, have these conversations with people you're having sex with, no matter if it's the first or the 50,000th time. Like I said before, we got to unblur these lines so we can all enjoy a world where we're having amazing, safe and hot sex. So chat to your mates, share this podcast and follow us on Insta at Triple J The Hookup. And catch you next time.